Hello everyone and welcome to this, the highlights of episode 14 of the In Context podcast with me, Gregor Thompson. For this episode, I spoke with former marine mammal trainer turned whistleblower Phil Demers, also known as the Walrus (laughs) Walrus Whisperer, sorry, a bit tongue-tied there. You can also watch all of the episodes on my YouTube channel, which is GT Media UK, all one word. And you can also stay up to date with everything I'm doing on my Instagram, which is which is gtmedia.uk. But for now, please enjoy these highlights. It felt to me like I was I had a sense of belonging because here was exactly things that I was good at doing and I enjoyed doing. There was there were a few days that I went to work in anticipation of having a bad day. Not to say that there aren't some very bad days. There were like nightmarish days, but uh, obviously they were uh, they were uh, something I could I could tolerate in light of the good days. And uh, it just seemed for me like a really perfect fit. I'll say it on day one, despite the fact that I didn't love the conditions that the animals were living, but who was I to, to speak to them, of, of them? Uh, this was a celebrated industry. This is a place that was wildly successful. I'm, I'm assuming the professionals know what the hell they're doing. I'm just there to clean scrub buckets, at least, right? I'm day one. What do I know what I'm doing? But I, I do recall in that moment, as I'm feeding Candu a, uh, you know, 12,000 to 15,000 pound bull orca, and I'm putting fish into his mouth. And I remember just being like, and uh, one of the senior trainers says, do you want to touch him? And I, I still, to this day, cannot tell you what it felt like to just look over at the trainer who's like, go ahead and touch him. I, I mean, to, just to be told that I could be within a certain proximity of this animal, never mind feed him. And then to be told to touch him, that feeling of touching a whale for the very first time is a one very few people in the world will ever do. Number two, you know, in the context, it's strange now, but in retrospect, uh, this was powerful, man. This was really powerful. This is where I was like, I'm not going anywhere. This is it. <laughs> this is it. Yeah. You know? And then I guess you could say it was a dream job. I wouldn't have known it, but I fell ass backwards into what I felt like a job that I, I had the most belonging in. And I felt most comfortable as myself, oddly, uh, in. I was really able to, uh, it's a strange, it's a strange place to work. Uh, Marine land is, is exceptionally strange, uh, but the industry itself is a strange place to work. You've got really young, dynamic people and it's fun. And, you know, and again, it, it, you know, I don't want to stress the fun part, but when you're, when you're young, it's a, it's a great place. I mean, shit, you're half a rock star. You go to the bars later, everyone's got, everyone's got the drinks for you covered. You know, you're bringing your friends sometimes after hours for shits and giggles to go hang out with dolphins and whales. Just, I mean, it's a mom and pop joint. It's not some big corporation. So, I mean, it, you became family with the family. It was just said and done. It was just, it, it quite literally was that it's, it's a mom and pop joint just that got wildly successful and, uh, you know, purported to be uh, major employers of the area and to be major, this major, that, but at the end of the day, it really was quite a small operation. So it, when you got into it, it did feel like sort of family. And so then you were training walruses and smushy comes into the story. Um, for anyone that won't know, what happened with Smushy and her imprinting on you? So she came to us at approximately two years of age, which uh, for, in my experience, was quite old for us to receive captive walruses. Normally the babies, they, they bring them to you very young. And so uh, two walruses were delivered to us. Now, when we assess their health, we have to put a needle in their spine and, and uh, draw some blood, try to get an assessment, send it to a laboratory. Well, we were doing that on uh, one of the two, so not Smushy, in fact, the other one. And uh, while we were wrestling her down, so bear in mind, she's about 
you know, a little over 200 pounds at that point, but it still takes four or five guys, uh, humans of, of great proportions to try to hold these animals down because despite the fact that they may only weigh 200 pounds, it's 200 pounds of muscle you've not known. <laughs> so it does take quite a, it does take quite a crew to hold them down while we were doing this and trying to hold down the one uh, walrus while we were trying to draw blood from her, Smooshy was becoming quite agitated and her 200 pounds was becoming quite disruptive trying to climb us and the scene and whatnot. So I elected to abandon uh, myself as a, as a weight on the one walrus and try to coerce her to get away from the scene. But in doing so, and, and, and anomalously, as explained in, by science and anyone who's observed this, in that moment when I put my hands in front of her face to try to calm her, uh, I imprinted on her. She opened her nostrils and she took, it's as if she, it's as if she absorbed my information. So everything about me, she sort of downloaded onto her brain. The sound of my voice, what I look like, what I smell like which is all survival keys uh, that calves and moms uh, have. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a uh, you know, it's an evolutionary uh, tool so that animals can uh, recognize each other in herds of thousands and tens of thousands even, right? You've got a, you've got a mother and calf that need to, to be bonded and, uh, and to, and to stay in protect uh, and to be protected. So, you know, that, so th this imprint is something that happens. What's odd is that it happened at two years of age and it, that it happened uh, on a human to a walrus. Mm -hmm. Was getting that bill passed your biggest achievement thus far? Do you think? No. I mean, on paper, you might say, you might say, mm -hmm. oh, that's the one that yielded the, you know, it's in the history books, if you will. So that's the yeah. one where, okay, in the Canadian legislator, it'll be legislation that will be known that in our history, I will have had hand in helping create and pass something. That's cool. For me, the most noted success is, is Marine Land's demise is the fact that is the fact that this was a burgeoning business. This was a this was largely a uh, wildly and I don't even know that that word properly summarizes just the extent of how successful Marineland was in this area. But the fact that we took that from them and their, their iconic jingle now works for us. Like, you know, it's catchy. Everyone loves Marineland. Well, now it's everyone hates Marineland. You know, it's like yeah. that, that when that jingle comes up, it, it, it used to, it used to arouse like a, a, a positive sentiment and, you know, the kids would be getting out of school and get ready for summer and all this stuff. You know, everybody, when that song comes on, it filled you with joy. I mean, they conditioned an entire, uh, like an entire country and regions and upon regions and legions of people to feel like that, to be conditioned to feel how much they loved Marineland. That's gone. And so the fact that we killed the spirit of Marineland, that's the biggest achievement. That was, that was the beast. The rest are all stepping stones towards what was the ultimate goal, which is to eradicate it. I want it gone. Yeah. You'll know when I'm, when I'm celebrating. I've yet to. You'll know when I do. I've used to smile. I used to party. I used to be quite happy. Great <laughs> lines on my face and the skinny Phil. You'll see a different version of Phil one day, jumping off some stage at some music festival. You'll be like, oh, <laughs> fucker's happy again. Here we go. Mm. So you'll know when I'm celebrating. What, what do you want your legacy to be? Do you, have you ever thought about that? What, what people will remember you for? Yes. It changes every day, it seems. I want to be the guy who proved everyone wrong. Most notably, the people who think I did this for myself. The people that call me selfish, that say that I'm doing this for attention. That I'm, you know what? I'm doing what I'm doing in the way that I'm doing my way 
because it's effective. And every time I have that microphone, I may see, I may say me, 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 and I, but that's because I need that microphone. The microphone elsewhere is less effective. I always bring attention to those animals. I always have. It's been my focus since day one. It's what fuels me. I would not have gone the length of this journey if not for the fact that this was very genuine. And so for me, the legacy will be such that even the people that hated me, because maybe perhaps, I don't know why. I don't want to rationalize why, but I want even the supporters to be like, he ducked out. He did what he, he did what he came out to do. And then we never heard from him again. You know, I may have blue check marks around all my Twitters and Instagrams and shit, but that don't mean I got a tweet. That don't mean I got to share my life. It takes a toll to share your life. I have people that drive in front of my house because they see that it's on the, in the documentary. I have people pull over to the side of the road that I've not spoken to in 10 years and they show up and they want to sit down with me for hours of my time suddenly. You know, great, but also not. Yeah. I'm 44. I don't have children. It was never in the plans, but it, that, those plans got stripped away from me fairly quickly too. You know, I've got a lot of resolve and, and resolution on my personal life and, and focus to, to sort of redream, but that doesn't have to be shared with the rest of the world. First half of, of this journey did. So I do want at the end, I, I, it's not that I want my legacy to be known as someone who ducked out. I just, I want it to be known that I was, uh, I was genuine. You know, that I was real. I wasn't some disgruntled ex-employee with an ax to grind. I, I gave a shit about those animals. And uh, I hope that, that, I hope that at the end, that's not in, dis no longer in dispute. Do you have any, do you have any sympathy for people who go to these parks now? even with this, all this information out there? Honestly, this is going to sound maybe a little bit, but the sympathy I have for them is that they're, they're being left behind in a world that's moving forward. And I'm not just meaning that in this particular subject. I mean, anyone that can rationalize going to Marine Land is definitely lagging behind in a far other ethical issues. And, uh, you know, I, I, so I empathize with them that they are uh, of the sort that I don't imagine, that I don't imagine are, uh, that the future is not going to be kind to just so, some people that allow for and, and endorse and are blind to certain things. It's just not, it's just not, you know, the shame of it all is they just don't know it themselves. You know, you almost want to say to them, Hey, give your head a shake. If you think this is okay, what else do you think is okay going on in the world? Like, come on, this is what is so strange. And I don't know if it's unique to me or not, but I haven't yet, felt an iota of pride i haven't yet felt an iota of a fiber of uh, of, of celebratory uh, sentiment i anytime i allow myself even for a moment to relax amidst all this i get flooded with anxiety and emotion like you wouldn't believe because i start to allow myself to believe maybe it's almost over you know maybe it's mm -hmm. because i'm still amidst the nightmare and a mission I'm, I'm i'm very steadfastly focused on what it is that i want and i want that walrus and her baby moved they're dying on display right now, and it's awful. Smooshy is the last surviving walrus, if not for the baby that uh, that they forced <laughs> her to have. I mean, it really is just a very disgusting and very, 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 very dark story to the tune of far darker than anyone even knows, despite the documentary and everything else. What becomes after, yeah. I don't know, but I, I'm not satisfied. Nor, nor have I had any, any inclination to quit. None. That's up to them. That's in their, that's in their 
That's in their court. I made promises. When I make a promise, I keep it. I made a promise to those animals. This doesn't end. This doesn't end until they're fucked. Well, they're fucked. But I made a promise to Smooshy that I'm coming to get her. So I've got two simultaneous promises going. So I got to get her out of there. And that's the end of these highlights and the end of episode 14. Again, I would definitely encourage you to listen to the whole episode as it was a very, very amazing conversation and the highlights don't do the whole conversation justice. Again, if you could please like, subscribe and follow wherever you're listening, that would be much appreciated. And again, you can watch all of the episodes on my YouTube channel, which is GT Media UK, all one word. And you can stay up to date on my Instagram, which is gtmedia.uk. But for now, I'll see you next month in September for the next episode of the In Context Podcast.